0: The reading today is found in Luke chapter 1 verses 30 through 38. It can be found on page 874 and 875 in your Pew Bible. And the angel said unto her, "Fear not, Mary: for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call him his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, "Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. be it to me according to thy word." And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Uh, I asked Mark to do the meditation that is in the uh, Christmas meditation devotional booklet that we've done. I hope, how many of y'all have a copy of that? It is just wonderful. We've got a slew of wonderful writers here. I'd encourage you to get a copy. I think we have some on the table in uh, the, the Narthex right out there. and would love for you to have a copy. This might be my favorite one. Uh, in fact, I believe this morning's was done by, Jamie, Jamie Gibson, are you here somewhere, Jamie? Is, isn't this morning yours? And it goes right along with what I'm preaching on. In fact, your title is Giving Up on Perfect. Well done. And it's beautifully written. I hope that you read it this morning. If you didn't, read it this afternoon. Mark's was great this week as well. And it has a lot to do with not having a perfect uh, image of what's going on. And this is even after Jesus is born and the astrologers come along. And it's not this grandiose thing that occurs, but it's more ordinary. And I had never thought about it that way, and I thought it was fantastic. So Mark, if you'll read that for us.
2: Good morning. Sabbath meditation is entitled, What Were You Expecting? What Were You Expecting? It seems as if we hear this expression frequently, especially around Christmas time. We all know and love the Christmas story, and know I'm not talking about the best Christmas movie of all time and its characters. But I'll argue the three magi, or wise men, are some of the coolest characters in this Christmas story. And here's why. We know from Matthew's Gospel account that the Magi had seen the star in the east and had traveled day and night to come worship the king of the Jews. But here are some important points about the Magi and this mysterious star. First off, these men were learned scholars, particularly in the areas of astrology and astronomy. Secondly, many modern scholars argue the star was actually a comet. This comet had risen suddenly But scholars also argue it stayed visible for over a year, giving the Magi plenty of time to travel according to its location. So when the Magi arrived in Jerusalem and asked Herod where Jesus was, Herod told them to finish their journey in Bethlehem, where indeed both Jesus and the star were finally located. There are a few things about this story that fascinate me. As men who dedicated their whole lives to studying celestial bodies, The Magi realized this particular star was something special. It was so special, in fact, the Magi spent weeks following it in the hopes of seeing the one who had been born the king of the Jews. This star or comet was a rare occurrence in the natural world. It was only fitting that this comet designate where Jesus, the savior of the world, would be. But the best part about these three Magi was this. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. After following this star that revealed God's awesome creation, the Magi witnessed an ordinary scene, a baby boy with his mother. But all the Magi could do was fall to their knees and worship and offer Jesus gifts. This is what this awesome star was all about. This magnificent star had actually led the Magi to the Magnificent One, who was God incarnate and who would take away the sins of the world. Perhaps the Magi were expecting something grander when they saw Jesus and Mary. Yet it was their faith and their journey that made them sure who this seemingly ordinary baby boy actually was. In this Advent season, we are in a period of waiting, Much like the faithful and eager magi. But let's all ask ourselves these questions What are we eager for? What are we expecting? The wise men's humble example shows us what Christmas is all about faith, amazement, and worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not forget how great this story is, for it is the most joyous story we have. So, what are we expecting? I hope and pray we can all fall to our knees and behold the wonderful mystery found in Jesus Christ. And the question is,
1: what are you expecting? I hope it's not perfection because you're not going to find that. Uh, This is the second in a series uh, entitled A Different Kind of Christmas, based on the book by Mike Slaughter, who's a wonderful pastor up in Ohio. It's actually uh, inspired by another book that he wrote entitled Christmas Is Not Your Birthday. And it's wonderful. We've been following uh, curricula in Sunday school, both with uh, the children, the youth, the college students, and adults here uh, with this book. And let me tell you, our kids are getting it. They're listening. At least they were listening last week. Uh, it's clear to me that Amelia was listening. Look at this: Jesus's birthday is on Christmas. Christmas is on de- December twenty-fifth, right? Then she gets even more prophetic here. Christmas isn't about Santa and toys; it's about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Amelia, and well read earlier when you lit the candle. It's good to know she's getting it. Kids are getting it. I hope you are getting it. As well, This morning it's all about giving up on perfect. Uh, Mark read just a moment ago about the Magi coming along and what were they expecting. Here's this miraculous, uh, uh, unnatural uh, part of science going on when they are following this star that leads them right to where this newborn king is. What were they expecting when they walked in and they had these elaborate gifts? And there's a mom and her kid, very ordinary, not perfect really. And a lot of the Advent story is ordinary, really. It's about ordinariness, but it's also about, as Philip Yancey talks about in his wonderful book, The Jesus I Never Knew, it's a lot about disruption. It's not like the Christmas cards. It's not so sublime as the Christmas cards we see with some kind of wonderful, elegant depiction of the nativity or the star or something else. There's a lot of disruption about this story, as you know. Mary asks the question: I'm what? I'm going to be pregnant? And here you have an unwed teen. In that society, she would be shut, subject to stoning. So Joseph comes along and offers to divorce her. Divorce was probably not in her mind that that would ever occur. And with all that going on, suddenly there's another transition. And it's always difficult when you and I struggle with layers of transitions in our own lives. But suddenly, uh, Caesar says, I want to take a census for the sake of taxation. And Mary and Joseph had to have to go back to his hometown of Bethlehem. No place to stay because there was no room at the inn. And so they have this child. She's been pregnant with child as they've been traveling. She winds up having the child probably in a, in a cave, in, in a, uh, a stable that's really more like a cave, if you know anything about the terrain and how things were done there in Bethlehem. And this baby is, is placed in a feeding trough. And then not long after that, they have to flee to North Africa, to Egypt, because of a threat and now they are refugee immigrants there in Egypt. A lot of messiness to this story, a lot of disruption to it. It's easy to sanitize this story because we know what happens at the end. We really need to to look at it again with with new eyes and see it as Mary is going through this Emmanuel event as she was experiencing it. A lot of messiness, a lot of disruption, but the good news is Miracles still happen, and as Slaughter says, miracles never happen outside the context of mystery and mess. The miracle of the incarnation was no exception. And even better news is in the midst of all our messes, God shows up. Maybe not with an angel, but in some other wonderful ways. He showed up to Mary and really shows up to you and me for one reason, and that is grace. He showed up with good news for Mary through the angel Gabriel. Look at uh, Luke 1, 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And that was good news for her. She wasn't perfect, but she was favored. That's good news for you and me. We are far from perfect But nevertheless, by God's grace, we are favored. You might have heard of the traditional definition of grace. Unmerited favor, undeserved favor, undeserved unconditional love. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 puts it so well. And I love this New Living translation of it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. By his grace. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, even though we don't deserve it. He shows favor in us because we are his children. Some of you have children and you find favor in them. Jordan and Jackson, where's Jackson? You done good this morning. We find favor in you because you did well, but we would find favor in you anyway, and I know your parents do, because they have parents who find favor in them and love them just because they're their children. You have children or no children who are so special to you and you find favor in them because they are your children or grandchildren i doubt mary estes is here and and we need to continue to pray for her with her health issues but i will never forget gosh it's been at least 15 years probably longer when uh we had a children's minister here named billy ruth rasco does anybody remember billy ruth billy ruth was doing a uh a children's sermon one sunday and had all the kids come up including all the grandkids of mary estes and I've talked about this before a few years ago, but it was just great because Billy Ruth clearly, she, we were preaching on sin that day. I think Paul Basin was still here, but they were preaching on sin, so she wanted to talk about sin. And so Mary comes up and sits with the kids around her grandkids, and Billy Ruth says, now, uh, Miss Estes, you love your grandkids, right? Oh, yes. And, and they're good sometimes. Oh, yes. But sometimes they're not so good, right? Oh, no. She was <laughs> like well I, but sometimes they don't follow through and do things that they should oh no they always do <laughs> and Billy Ruth you could, I mean you could see the sweat dripping she's like well but sometimes they can go off the path and become a little wayward right oh no and I'll never forget finally she said well they're bad sometimes right oh no they're perfect that's what she said I'll never forget that. No, they're perfect. Why? Why are they perfect? Because they're hers. They're hers. Now, you're not perfect, but you're favored by God. Why? Simply because you're his child. We don't deserve it, but he stands with us and on our behalf and showers his love on us. In fact, you're so favored by God that the Holy Spirit resides in you when you become a believer. Had two young people uh, baptized this morning, and when they asked Christ in their heart, the Holy Spirit came into their hearts, as they do with all of us. And again, it's just amazing that we are granted that incredible gift. And through the Holy Spirit residing in us, we can ourselves achieve what Slaughter calls messy miracles. And I think we can do so in two significant ways. First, we can work significant miracles, messy and imperfect though they are this season, By doing what I encouraged last week, giving some of the money that you would normally give toward a present and give to some particular need. Now, last week, um, I suggested the David Foreman Scholarship. For those of you who don't know, David was a marvelous member of this church, servant of the church, deacon of the church, I could go on and on, wonderful Sunday school teacher, professor over at Sanford. We lost him way too early. He's already... Uh, with Christ but uh, fully but but we miss him here and Sanford just came along and uh, started the David Foreman scholarship for needy students and some of those are in your pew racks there we didn't have enough but where the hymnals are there uh, you might see when we passed out a bunch last week if you still need one you might be able to see one there uh, in your in your hymn rack Uh, This morning, I want to talk about 1040 Connections, and I'm going to ask my wife, uh, Deanna, to come up here to explain this because she'll explain it better than I do because she's the one who actually takes care of the nuts and bolts of uh, when we give to uh, 1040 Connections. They have this... what do you call it? The, the Joy to the World Christmas Catalog. Now, let me go on and say, there are some of those in the hymn racks in your pew. We probably don't have enough for everybody. I know the people in the Tim Davis class and the Bill Watt class should already have one. Uh, there's some there in your hymn rack. Please take one. Not everybody's going to get one. We can get you more of them. But take a look at those, and Deanna's going to explain how you can give uh, to them in a very creative way.
3: Okay, so 1040 Connection is an organization that Chad and Leslie, um, who have spoken at our church before, and if y'all have ever heard them speak, you know exactly who I'm referring to because they just have amazing, riveting stories of truly miraculous things that are going on in an area of um, the world known as the 1040 window. So were you going to...
1: They have ministered before uh, for hungry kids. uh, That They've ministered in Egypt, in India, uh, in Nepal, I think, and then China. And uh, they provide for seminary educations for young Christian ministers in those uh, places, uh, feed hungry people, uh, battle human trafficking, all kinds of stuff. So that's just a few of what they do.
3: Okay, so 95% of people who are unreached people, live in this window the 1040 window so hence the name of this so this is 1040 connection Um, if you were this is the part I believe Jim wanted me to explain it's super super easy Um, the one we have at home had a little envelope and I'm looking I don't know that these do but you're given an address so if you wanted to mail in a contribution to help support any of these there's several ministries mentioned you may Um, the easiest thing however is if you are to go online just to 1040 Connections, like the digits, 1040connections.org. This catalog, you have to go to a little bar and see where it says the Joy Catalog. You can click on, and there are many options. There are um, helping people restore their sight, cataract surgeries. You can help um, support a seminary over there or a church plant, Um, several things. But the one that um, jumped out at me and um, sort of had special place in my heart, was jump-starting a school and feeding a child. So this is in India, and it's $11 is their suggested gift. So for $11 a month, you all can read if you find these little catalogs in the pews, but you can help support a child for a month, and that includes food and their medical care and then hearing stories about Jesus. So for $11 a month, um, I think sort of where we're going, hopefully this Advent season, is taking time to reflect and think, Maybe instead of buying a Christmas ornament or a candle for some of your friends or family members, um, going online, it's a secure site and you can make your donation and then you can hit print and you can print off a card and the card has these pictures for whatever you've chosen to donate to and you just sort of fold a little card, write a message to your friend or neighbor and stick it in their box or in the mail. So it's a really great Christmas gift idea.
1: And, uh, okay, if you see one in your hymn rack, I want you to take it or hand it to somebody in your row. So will you do that if you haven't done it already? It's there in your hymn rack. Okay, you must have already gotten hold of a bunch of those. And what's really cool, too, is, as Deanna was explaining, um, you can mail in your contribution, easiest way is to do it online, and then you can run off, you can print off, uh, these uh, cards and send them to people saying, you know, I gave a donation in your honor to to uh, this ministry, 1040 Connections. And as you do that, you can put uh, a Fanning the Flame card in there. We passed out those. I think we've got just some remaining. If you are at the very end of your pew, kind of look down. You should see them kind of tucked in there at the cushion. Pass those down if you would. Hopefully most people will get those, especially if you didn't get one last week. Uh, and if you need another, we'll somehow get it to you. But what you can do is uh, put that in there as well as you send that to someone saying that you gave this uh, in their honor, which I think is just a great way to do it. Again, if you give in David Foreman's name with a, a scholarship, you could either send it to Sanford when you send your gift or give it to uh, Elvia Foreman who goes here, which would be kind of cool. Just totally up to you. Anyway, we're hoping that you'll take advantage of this. Now, if you didn't get a card or didn't get one of those things, you need it. Come to me, come to somebody on staff, we will get it to you. So that's one way that we can be a part of wonderfully imperfect, messy miracles is by giving uh, what we have. Instead of just buying a present, just giving some money toward some need like the ones that we've mentioned. But secondly, we can help the Holy Spirit work miracles through us by our faithful witness through tough Circumstances, you know, our own disruptions that we face, our own ordinariness, our own transitions we have to face, our own confusion, our own uncertainties, but nevertheless be faithful. Think about it. Why did God choose Mary of all people to be the mother of Jesus? Because God knew that even when it didn't make sense, she remained faithful. You know, even when she didn't understand always Jesus himself she remained faithful. She didn't quit. Even when she saw others accuse him of blasphemy, she didn't quit. Even as she stood at the cross as he is suffering and dying and there's not anything she can do about it, she didn't quit. She remained faithful. It's always been interesting to me the difference between Zechariah's response earlier in Luke chapter 1 when Zechariah is told that he and Elizabeth are going to uh, have a child who's going to become John the Baptist. And his response and then Mary's response. I think we've got that up there. Uh, Zechariah responds, wait a minute. You know, Gabriel, The angel Gabriel comes to him and says and, and tells him, y'all are going to give birth to John the Baptist. And he says, how will I know? In other words, he wants a sign. And he's really motivated by unbelief. In fact, in the very next verse, verse 20, I believe it is, uh, Gabriel says, because of your unbelief, you're not going to be able to talk for a while. And that's exactly what happens. Later on, Mary is told she's going to give birth to To Jesus in some supernatural way. And she doesn't say, How will I know? Give me a sign. She says, How can this be? And that's really rooted in belief and faith. What she's saying is, Okay, how's this gonna shake down? How's this gonna unfold? How is this going to happen? And clearly, she was faithful, unlike Zechariah. She didn't quit, just didn't quit no matter what. And so she remained God's faithful servant. Why? Because she knew she was favored. Do you know that? She knew God's grace. Do you know that? Because when we embrace our favor from God, we can be faithful to him and really become living miracles, even amidst our own painful experience. Mike Slaughter puts it this way, our painful experiences become seeds of hope for God's miracle in someone else's life. Our painful experiences become seeds of hope for God's miracle in someone else's life. Can I name people around here? I don't know if Martha McMickens is here. This morning, but she had just just lost Jack the other week, and and uh, married, I believe, for sixty five years. Where, Martha, you're here. God bless you. Sixty five years married. Is that cor- correct, Martha? Uh, and we had the memorial service, which was wonderful. Where was she the very next Sunday? Here. I mean, to me, that's being a living miracle, being faithful, saying, you know what? That's where I go because I know Martha well enough to know that she knows that she is favored by God, and she wants to give back. I think of Harold Cannon. I saw you, Harold. Where are you hiding out? Think of Harold showing up, even with health issues. He doesn't care. He's going to show up. And we love him for that because he knows he is loved by God. And then there's Brian Bonds. Uh, wonderful Brian Bonds. I know that's Notre Dame. Just deal with it. Because um, uh, his daughter's a wonderful uh, band member. Uh, how many of y'all were at the True Vine uh, Thanksgiving service? It was amazing. It was one of those moments where it's like what the Celtics call uh, one of the thin places where heaven and earth become very, very close to each other. It was a marvelous time of worship and joy and celebration as uh, True Vine was, was worshiping for the first day in uh, their sanctuary there, and it was just fantastic. And One of the highlights was when Brian came along. Those of you who don't know Brian, he, he has ALS, and uh, but he... He was so significant in in, uh, the beginnings of our ministry with True Vine. And he gave some background about that. But right at the end, I remember him saying something like, I'm going to die sooner than most of you in here. He said, I'm going to see Jesus before most all of you in here. But I am so blessed. But there was a little pause... And I know that Blake heard it, I don't know where Blake is, but he and I heard it. I think if you were close to the front, you heard it, because Blake and I just caved in. It was just great, because what he said, and it was so irreverent, yet reverent. He said, I'm going to die before most all of you in here. He said, I'm going to see Jesus before most of y'all in here, eat that. But I've been so blessed. (laughs) And if you just know Brian, you just love that. And that's so irreverent, yet reverent. Hey, I get to see Jesus before you, eat that. I'm sorry, I thought it was beautiful. It was one of my favorite moments of that whole two-hour service. I just thought it was great. He was being a miracle for me. He continues to be a miracle in a challenging situation because of his faithfulness. And we can pray like Mary. Lord, I don't get all of this. I don't understand what I'm going through. I can't figure it all out. But you know what? I am your servant because you have found favor in me. I don't know why, but I give such thanks for that. And if we realize that, we do have the wherewithal. To be living miracles because for some ridiculous reason, God has favor in us, sees favor in us. Can I talk about one other living miracle who has died to Christ like so many other people whom I've mentioned? Uh, Bethany Pridmore. Uh, For those of you who don't know, she's been battling cancer for a long time. And uh, Mike and Nancy English, her parents are members here and Bethany spoke Here's some time ago, and just a remarkable woman, and I love how raw and transparent she is with her faith. Recently, I just messaged her one time, I messenger her, just to let her know that at this time that, that I was praying for her, and uh, uh, I just want to show you what she said when she uh, uh, messaged me back. She just said, thank you so much, it means a lot. Next chemo is tomorrow, dread it, but part of the journey. God seems to get the most glory and others the most hope when I speak through suffering. Dad gummit, <laughs> which I love. Go to the next one. Uh, his agenda, his agenda, not mine. He is so very faithful and always provides what we need when we need it. So, as Paul says, I am learning to be content in all circumstances. I sure don't do this perfectly, not, not perfectly, but when I'm camped out at his feet, he gives eternal perspective that is way better than mine. This broken world is just not our home, you know? Strength for today and hope for tomorrow. (laughs) She doesn't do her witness perfectly like you and me, but she's an amazing miracle. And you know other people who are that way. How can they be that way? Because they know they are favored by God. And no matter what happens, they are in God's favor. Whether they are here or in the reality to come, they are in God's favor and they can go and be amazing living witnesses You can do that too. No, you're not perfect. But you can still perform messy miracles through how you respond to your circumstances, whatever they might be. For some ridiculous reason, he finds favor with us. Let me close. If you have an insert, look at it with me. It's uh, on the flip side of the preschool choir uh, uh, nativity presentation This is from a wonderful little book called The Visited Planet by J.B. Phillips, which he wrote uh, in 1958. And it's about two angels who are looking at the planet Earth because uh, the Great One has gone to visit us there. The little angel begins Do you mean that our great and glorious prince, with all these wonders and splendors of his creation and millions more that I'm sure I haven't seen yet, went down in person to this fifth rate little ball? "'Why should he do a thing like that?' "'Senior angel, it isn't for us to question his wise, "'except that I must point out to you "'that he is not impressed by size and numbers "'as you seem to be, but that he really went, I know. "'And all of us in heaven who know anything know that. "'As to why he became one of them, "'how else do you suppose he could visit them?' "'The little angel's face wrinkled. "'Do you mean to tell me?' he said.' That he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. And when you think about your life and the ways you have sometimes lived or thought or the attitude you've sometimes had or your inner life that other people cannot see, your private life, and yet he loves you, finds favor in you because he sees you as his child? Friend, that's beyond comprehension. Have you grasped that reality lately? That is how much he loves you, finds favor in you let's pray together lord help us to give up on perfect forgive us when we become so image conscious uh, that we become something we're not we've got to put on this veneer of being together or spiritual or whatever help us to be embraced by you as imperfect children who nevertheless you see favor in help us to rejoice in that reality and help us to bring that reality to people who so desperately need to know about it. We pray these things in your name. Amen.